Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Grivy, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and ghost in disguise, Alex Dandino. All right, before today's thrilling uh, adventure to the Spielberg, as always, uh, a little business. People, it's official. We're on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash Pod. The best way to support the show, the best way to get the most out of the show. So uh, if you're a patron of ours, we work really hard to make that worth your time uh, and give you some value, right? So we have a huge Patreon-exclusive library. You get a vote on what goes in said library, which is cool. We have a mini-series going on. We have feature-length commentaries. We have uh, the ability for you to program a double feature that we'll record uh, for the main feed here. So, again, we're working really hard to make that worth your time and support. So, if you can and if you'd be so kind, patreon.com slash Pod. Another thing you can do to help the show for free, uh, follow us on all the socials, share everything we do uh, so we can cast a wider net, right? Cast a wider net. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Another great thing you can do to help podcasts like us. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews anywhere and everywhere you find the show. Help us defeat the algorithmic government key-jingling bitches that just want to keep us from being happy. That's all we ask. All right, enough. I kind of have a husky voice this morning, which is weird because I haven't had a cigarette in almost three weeks now. Wow, who are you, Pat Welsh? Jeez. My voice is getting worse. My will to face the day is getting lower. I feel like white-ass E.T., like the dried-out white turd version of E.T., <laughs> but I persevere. Because what you find out as an adult, guys, I know this is a childhood fantasy, but let's do a detour into being an adult. Being an adult is finding ways to add more suffering onto your plate. So it's like, oh, my job sucks. Life's hard. I'll have a smoke. And then everyone shames you into, you know, you know what? I'm going to stop that. Because I'll die early. Guess what? I'm going to get hit by a bus someday anyways. So I might as well just be sad as shit the whole t- That's neither here nor there. It's a great pod so far. I'm going I'm through. really excited. I'm going through some stuff. I feel like E.T. separated from my people. The Americans of the 70s. That's what I was meant. When we were free to smoke in our houses with lead-based paint. Neither here nor there. Uh, as you can tell, I'm joking. What is happening? But I'm staying strong. I don't know. Let's talk about a movie I hated as a child but have come to love as an adult. E.T. the Extraterrestrial. So, this was always a Spielberg movie that I did not like. I wouldn't say I downright hated it, because there's some undeniably magic Spielberg moments, right? But as a kid, when someone would put this on as a kid, I would be actually mad. I was like, why are we watching this when the Karate Kid exists, right? When Ninja Turtle, like, why are we watching E.T.? I just never liked it at all as a kid. Last summer, it came back to theaters, right? So, I took my kids to see it just for something to do. And I sat in that theater and was absolutely overwhelmed by the movie magic pouring out upon me. And it wasn't until I started watching that fucking Spielberg documentary that I figured out as a kid why I hated this movie is because it's about a kid whose dad left him. (laughs) Right? A kid who desperately wants his dad to be around and wants the help of his dad. And I was like, oh, yeah, I watched it. So it's like, oh, it's a sad movie about a kid who doesn't have a dad and his alien friend almost dies and leaves him as well. So I was like, that's why I didn't like it. But as an adult, I sat there and watched my kids loving this movie, right? I watched this this bonding with E.T. I watched this wonderful creature, right? I watched, I mean, this is one of the kind of like most pitch-perfect John Williams scores. It's just everything about this movie really congealed for me 
last summer. So it's kind of this new thing, right? It's, it's a familiar thing from the past that now I have a new. So Alex, opening thoughts on uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Yeah, I also, this was not one I gravitated towards as a kid. I don't know why. Like, you know, we I watched it like everybody else. Goonies first, Monster Squad first. Yeah, like, I was much more about, yeah, Goonies is a good one. Like, pretty much this would have been, like, when I was a kid, this was, like, the bottom of the barrel for Spielberg for me in terms of, if I was. This was an adults think that you'll like it, so they watch if it with I you, had, really, you'd rather if watch If I had that things. discerning a taste when I was a kid, this would not have been, like, like, I'm not watching that, Spielberg. You're five. What does it matter? None of your business. Like, that's, you know. <laughs> Mind your business, old man. I'll tell I'll you. I'll tell you what I prefer. No, um. But yeah, as I got older, I've, you know, I've watched it a couple more times and had a few more, you know, more. there's more meaning to it. And then this last time I watched it, I, I can say, again, yeah, I agree. Like, it's not a thing I hated. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, I don't hate movies. I pretty much was just like, yeah, I'm good. I get it. Like, you know, E.T. phone home. I understand. Yeah. Heartlight, move on. Like, it never, like, hit me. And today watched it, or not today, Jesus Christ, I hope not. Um, no, last night I watched it. <laughs> um, yeah, it is just like, it's John Williams' perfectly emotionally manipulative music that, like, works. Oh, yeah. Like, it should. Like, I think this is the thing. Hard punctuation. And I, and I yeah. don't mean that as, like, a, I don't mean that as an insult to John Williams in the slightest. Like, John Williams is the only person I've ever watched who's scored movies who is, like, completely valid and emotionally manipulating you for a scene. Like, it's not a needle drop. Almost every technique in filmmaking is emotional manipulation. Right, but, like, music... This one, he's so... It's as if you were watching a... A page in a coloring book, right. and you're watching it. But be like painted this is as this is. is something that music does better than most, better than most other things that like come together to create right. a movie. And music, I think, sometimes is very specific. And like, I have a lot of problems with certain people doing like there are needle drops that I find to be very man- emotionally manipulative that basically heighten the emotions of a scene that really ruin it. Because if you take the, mu- it's kind of the difference between like a, a really kind of a, a great score that that subtly sneaks yeah, in exactly. right it's the muscle beneath the skin of the mm-hmm. movie versus a hey remember that song remember in fourth grade when you were trying to finger little mary whatever <laughs> little, little mary crotch rod whatever they say full metal jacket and you're like oh well this doesn't fit in the movie about dancing penguins, right exactly but that's <laughs> like instead of it being in, i think that, fourth again, grade fingering god wow, damn gross see it's rough out here when you don't have dad i think it's wild and that's but that's the thing that i think is really fascinating <laughs> and what was so it's so beautiful about john williams is my mom listens to i know this, by wow. the way Zayna's gonna have. I always say things. I say things, and then I see my mom, and I'm like, "Fuck, she's like our most loyal listener." Yeah, and Zayna's gonna hear it, and she'd be like, "Why were you doing that in the fourth grade?" No, we do the classic thing that our family's always done: is we just ignore things and bury them down mm, deep. Got it. Leave them for explosive results how, later. How but- British of you? No, um, I. But yeah, like John Williams, the man- emotional manipulation you get from a John Williams score isn't manipulation. It is purely feeling and it's like this gut feeling that you have it's not this like you said it's not this like nostalgic manipulation you get sometimes when you watch stuff um but it's probably one of my oh i mean the moment when elliot ramps yeah in the classic they're flying past the moon Mm -hmm. right and that score hits. come on man like 
I mean, it's 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 soul melting because yeah. you're you're sitting there and you're like, this is the full combined power of all of Even those things that made asses. movies so magical. How you have to just like bow down for that moment. Even the people who well, who doesn't want to fly through the air with their magical buddy, magical. right? Like this poor kid who's being brought low by life, just escaping gravity for but a minute. But in this magical thing that shouldn't happen, but because of his his great character qualities, he's able to fucking fly for but a moment as the music. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. This movie, it is an odd Spielberg movie, I would say. <laughs> Because it's kind of the the answer to Close Encounter. It's like what happens to Richard Dreyfuss's family after he completely yeah. abandons them. Yeah, we're basically we're right? getting the other side of the story. <laughs> yeah, mom's crying because now he's going to going fucking to Mexico. Mexico, even though she knows he hates Mexico. It's it's brutal, right? They live in what looks like an old '90s Pizza Hut, right? It's just it's it's a hard hard sell. And the other thing too is this movie is told from such a childish point of view that there's a lot of things that just don't makes sense right like the narrative is kind of clunky at times but it's told from uh i have this new magical toy i know i'm it's like when you're playing with fireworks like as a kid i got in trouble i almost burned our trailer down because i stole uh my now dad's lighter and put it inside of my godzilla toy's mouth to fucking melt tags and burn teddy bears and shit right my mom woke up to this smell of fire and like i was burning down our trailer essentially and so it's essential. This movie is the equivalent of I have dad's lighter and I want to do cool shit with it, but I'm afraid someone's going to get it. So the way they infuse the government agents, there's no bearing to reality, to logic. At the end of this movie, Elliot and all of his family are probably murdered, if not buried <laughs> in a government facility. Yeah, right? they're for sure. So it's one of those we, we take all of that kind of stuff out. The fact that Elliot's able to waltz out of the house with what would be the most important scientific discovery of all time, right? The fact that the man, unless you think the man's in on it, and he thinks Elliot can somehow revive him, the fact that Elliot's left alone with this alien corpse, right, to do God knows what with it. He's a young boy, a young, un-fucking-managed boy. But so you take all of those kind of, like, bits of logic out, right? And you just look at it from a, I have a lighter and I don't want to get caught child, child version. I think it, it's something that now I like that, man. I like falling back into that. What was right. it like when you were a little kid who things weren't going great, but you had this one fucking thing, right? That one comic book, that one fucking baseball card, whatever it was that became your treasure. And that makes it okay. I, I don't know. I So the childish storytelling, I think, has grown on me as I've gotten older. Yeah. Again, I think this is another reason that people... And I, I said this on another I said this on another one of our Spielberg pods, but I've said it a lot, which is like this is another one of those reasons and I think E.T. is a great example. E.T. is another one of those movies that people watch um in film school and go like, Oh, Spielberg, oh, so overplayed. Like this is that yeah. kind of thing that you do. If you're a film hipster douche and want to insult one of the greatest filmmakers ever, this is a great Yeah. And like I said, evidence set. Everybody gives <laughs> everybody has it, it can last an hour or it can last like a decade, whatever you need it to, but like everybody has that time when Spielberg is like, "Oh, Spielberg." Ugh. And you're like, "Oh my god, what was I thinking?" But this to me is a great example of a movie that like a hipster douche would watch and be like, "Oh, so passe and like like just like slowly ruined. i like four hour russian expressionism now i'm 19 sorry i only watch <laughs> i've lived some i pretty much only watch battle battleship potemkin 
I, otherwise, I have no other films. The neighbor girl never had sex with me when I was shooting hoops to Barbie Girl, so now I'm into Russian sadness. <laughs> Exclusively. Exclusively. Keep your pappy crap spilled. <laughs> have you seen part two of Ivan the Terrible? Oh, my God. So good. I relate to Come See because I grew up in a suburban middle-class neighborhood. So I know what it's like to walk through war with your family. Thank I you. I often wake up and watch the seven. Keep seal. your rubber penis alien. Thank you. Your rubber penis alien is nothing <laughs> compared to Liv Anderson and Persona. You wouldn't know. <laughs> Mommy didn't let me go to Green Day with a soda. <laughs> I know about trauma. But the, Thank you. Right, but that is ex that is exactly. <laughs> I was really worried that we were never going to break out I know, of that. Bit. I can just go on for hours. <laughs> you play that. But that's exactly what this is. Like that is. 100% this is a movie that I find emotionally beautiful. Like, and I have, like, I, I had serious emotional reaction last night watching it. This is the exact movie. Oh, there, there are moments, yeah, I just kind of cry. just, like, sob. Like, there's no way around it. I mean, even the stuff at, you know, that stuff at the dinner table with, like, the, the Mexico bit. Like, it is. Brutal. Look, I did not. My parents are not divorced. They're, you know, they're together. Rub it in. You yeah. still feel that fucking, you can feel it. It's palpable in that. Well, as an adult, you feel, every one of us who's an adult and is married has been like, what would it be like if this fucking ghost tits yeah. up? Like, we all imagine, like, you have that day and you're like, fuck, are we going to get divorced? And you imagine, like, rebuilding your life. Like, when do I get to see the kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like, especially, I think, because I'm a child of divorce, right? It's something you yeah. think about all the time. And it is, it's, it's this reoccurring nightmare I have as a dad. As I come to my now house, I knock on the front door. I can't get in. And Amy opens the door. And in the background, there's a nondescript, faceless man playing with my kids as they laugh. And they don't even come to the door to, like, you know now. Because it's one of the good things about the stage they're in is they're little. So when I open the door, right, two kids and a dog come barreling at me, happier than they've ever been for a second because dad's right. home. And you're like, fuck, what if dad's gone? So I feel D. Wallace's pain so so personally, even though I'm not in that spot. Well, you know, the actually in that scene. She's just, it's a great performance yeah. of a mom who's just like. She has. She's trying to hide her pain, and she can't for a moment. But the rest of the movie's her like, I still want to give him Halloween. Right. I still want to do like, this I don't, and that. Like, I, I think, like, Henry Thomas, of course, is. She's so Henry good. Thomas is great. Okay, Henry Thomas, if we're going to do that bit now. I, this is one of the greatest child yeah. performances. Well, I was actually about time. to say, like, Henry Thomas is great. D. Wallace makes me believe this movie is real. Did you ever see Tom, his uh, his audition oh, yeah. for E.T.? The audition tape is famous. Where they finally told him he yeah. got it? I mean, I was watching. I was like, holy yeah. shit. I was like, I can't believe I used to think that I could be an yeah, actor. Exactly. Like, I trained as an actor for a long time. I've done a couple things, and I watched that, and I was like, that kid's like five. Yeah. That kid's five, and he got it in a way that I just never like, did. That it's incredible. That is such a great. Again, like we, we talked about, we talk about this like in all Spielberg movies. There seems to be these like key scenes that make you go, "There is literally not a single filmmaker alive that could do this, or not alive that could do this." Like yeah. this is incredible. Well, this one is another weird one because it it kind of apes a lot of his classic scenes yeah. right like we get a lot of the like dinner table and the mimicking him and et mimicking right like we do in the scene in jaws mm -hmm. and close encounters so he has a lot of these touchstones that he's coming back to in this one that i think on the surface it feels a little bit like spielberg you know as a cover band almost. I, the thing that i liked but then there are moments when it all fucking comes together yeah. where it where it rises above. the dinner scene is this the dinner scene to me like and it's 
it's D Wallace that makes it like, and I'm not saying it's, it's and it's actually not the part where she like, I mean, Drew Barrymore is crushing it. It's yeah. just a great scene. And I'm not saying it's like D Wallace stepping away and being emotional. I'm like, uh, yeah, I get it. Adults can be emotional, but like when, when he's arguing with his brother and fucking just stands up and she's like, nothing like that penis breath, her uh, reaction where she like half laughs and like like yeah <laughs> that is one of those all-time awesome like cutaway reaction shots because to me yeah. that is the reaction look you and i like we're both parents of boys like there's absolutely no way i would not be laughing my ass off if my kid said that like i would be oh i i'd be fucking dying that's our rule my kids can go free range when they're with me yeah. Just don't take that shit to school so I get, like, a, a letter from right, the school. Right. Well, like, my five-year-old, he loves running in the room, flipping me off and running out. He thinks that's hilarious. Or that now it's the D-Generation X suck right. So it's like I'm back in sixth grade when I used to do that to everyone as soon as they turn their backs. Um, but there, that's that's always been Spielberg's kind of yeah. kind of superpower, Agreed. right? Is this really crafting a, a lived-in suburban Big life. Time. Right. And I think that's for a lot of audiences, there's a real familiarity with the kind of houses and families and people that and even the the problems they're facing. Right. Like these aren't like this is not as depressing as Close Encounters, where it's the absolute destruction of the idea of that, you know, nuclear suburban family. This is kind of the aftermath. Right. This is, you know, a mortar hit the ship, but we're still floating. But there's smoke coming up. It's not great. Right. And so he's really good at building those worlds where these things play. And, you know, I think he says that in his Spielberg documentary, that propaganda piece <laughs> is where he says, um, by the way, he likes to tell really personal stories. Sure all these movies are on the biggest scale, right? right? We're only, and so, yeah, there's something, there's something in this movie about Elliot finding ET, right? Filling. Cause he said in this, he, he said in the documentary, he goes, you know, this is about, what could possibly replace a boy's father? A supernatural alien creature. And I was like, that is a fucking bizarre leap. There's I think I think Elliot would fucking UFC strangle E.T. scrawny fucking dick neck in a heartbeat to have his dad back, right? To have that empty shirt in the garage yeah. filled. I think every kid would murder the alien that we are supposed to love to get their dad back. But you see that that's kind of his theory. I didn't realize, too, like me and Stevie, man, he like really took the divorce harder than I think a lot of us did. Like I was young. Mm -hmm. And so it was like an omnipresent. It's like a defining characteristic of who I am. But like he internalized it. Yeah, like I was going to say, I'm like, we are hitting like this is sort of the apex of <laughs> the internalized like trauma that Steven Spielberg like this yeah. is exactly where this is. Like, I don't know if you. It's this is just like Freddie got fingered face. It's on Daddy. Can I have some sausage? It's on the wiki, it's on the Wikipedia page, but apparently this like idea came to him when he was a kid. Like after that his parents got divorced, this was like his thing is he would just pretend he had an imaginary alien friend. I'm like, this is someone who has yeah. been like, this is an earth shattering moment in his life, and I don't. I don't ever necessarily think that like trauma makes people better artists. Like that's something that I think uh, that's like a romantic, that's a really romantic notion about like artistry. Right. It's like, Oh, you have to, that's that bullshit about artists should be starving right. so they can make art. You have to be through something terrible to like really understand. It's just, uh, that no, what, what trauma is though is trauma is a, it's a lit fuse. Yeah. 
And so in moments of trauma, every emotion is so heightened, mm -hmm. right? And I think what you want to be as an artist is someone who can access emotional responses, yeah. right? That you can paint a scene and you can, you can really paint the emotional background, right, of what's happening in a scene. Not even background. I mean, that's usually what a good scene is based on is the emotions yeah. that everyone's writing. No, that's exactly and I think sometimes is. in those big moments, you really internalize those feelings. Yeah. But I think that this, yeah, this has been, this is like fuel that Spielberg used for at least the very beginning of his career. Like later on, like obviously like as you get into later movies, the jaw shark is his dad's best friend coming to get mom. Like to me, <laughs> I would say, I would say past like, Jurassic Park is when we're just like we're in awe of Spielberg the well there was he did this he did some Indiana Jones right where it's kind of a little more kitschy serialized stuff and then he started his color purple Schindler's List he's like now he's making yeah. like his more adult well, like Schindler's List Schindler's movies. List came right before Jurassic Park and that was like the, to me like that's that's such an interesting like saving private right. He had a run there where it's like now he's doing more serious movies. Like, yeah, Schindler's List comes right before Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park is like this watershed moment for a film. Really. He was doing pre-production on Jurassic Park, like in between setups of Schindler's List. Oh no, List, he was yeah, he was doing pre-pro and um, can't remember if they said he was reviewing dailies. Or if he was reviewing cuts in the middle, like they were talking about how Jurassic Park saved his life because he, besides like obviously Capshaw, but yeah, um, like Jurassic Park, yeah, Schindler's List was brutal, obviously, like that's that's a harrowing thing, yeah. To do. So at night when he'd come back, he would be watching passes or like stuff from Jurassic Park, and he was like, it was they, they don't think they were shooting yet, so oh, he was really? doing like his storyboards remember, and all that I kind of stuff. I can't remember what right? the what the what the timeline was, but either way, like, yeah. Yeah, he started making. Well, it's probably nice to have somewhere to escape. Yeah, no rest. shit. He also, you know, so but this is like, that's to me when like Spielberg moves, sort of like finds this sort of moving on point until, of course, the Fablemans, where he re-traumatizes himself completely. Um, but yeah, right. <laughs> By writing a Superman origin story, exactly. Uh, <laughs> now he's become the overfed artist who's weaponizing his traumas against us. The <laughs> I don't know why we're really going in on Spielberg. It's not, it's not that. I'll tell you why. Because this is what's fascinating about watching early Spielberg movies. Not Duel. Duel's very different than the other ones. But like. Duel, the truck is also his friend Bernie <laughs> coming to get mom. I, I'll tell you. Mom's a little family I'll, car. I'll tell you. It's because it's fresh in our minds. Because the Fablemans came out this year. You see the Fablemans. And now we're watching all these older Spielberg movies that are literally about this trauma that absolutely shattered this guy early on in his life. The the start of his career was very much defined by this yeah. kind of emotional. So like to life. me, yeah. that emotion and what's hanging on, what hangs on through not the, like, like you were saying, not the Superman origin story part of it, but like the things that are very emotionally relevant about the upheaval in his life in the Fablemans, I think now that we're watching earlier movies, like is echoing so hard while watching these kinds of movies, especially well, if you watch this his documentary. He talks about it so much that you're like, I never realized it was such a thematic touchstone for him. Right. But it, I mean, that, that makes sense. That's what happens. Sure. We take our own experiences and find a way to mutate them through the lens yeah. of whatever story. You Again, tell. it's always, it's all in the, the eye of the beholder, but mm -hmm. 
in terms of E.T., I it is just it feels very real. I think that's the cra- I think that's the thing that makes the movie so unique and so fascinating is how real it feels. Not not even like in terms of animatronics, which is awesome too. Like I I don't whatever it is in Spielberg's not I mean it's not I mean he's obviously has great work ethic and everything, but whatever it is in his core values as a filmmaker that gets people to give him the best. Especially in this time period, like E.T., which was like he... Well, you choose a good crew, you work with them right. a lot, you empower them as artists. Yeah, I mean, he's always been great but at that. like this... And I don't know how about you, but the E.T. animatronics, like the actual E.T. itself is incredible. Like, unbelievable. Yeah, it's something I never really I loved never as noticed a kid, it. right? Because it's a dick. Yeah. Right? His body is a scrotum, dick, yeah. his head is a dick. I never understood it a lot, but watching it yesterday, so I was curled up on the couch taking notes. Yeah. My son Logan was watching it with me, and he was legitimately cracking up. Like he was watching it, and the scenes where like the dog comes in and he, te- I mean, he thought that was fucking hilarious, right? That the famous scene of ET getting drunk and stumbling around the yeah. house, and then somehow channeling the ET like John Wayne connection for the little boy to you know start fucking a riot and kiss the girl he loves my son was dying laughing like my son really loved this movie and it's it's the classic you know character with eyes that are really too big right it's the classic like kind of cartoon fucking gremlins baby yoda whatever right there's some kind of study about that like works for us as like a cute factor right it's the fucking puss in boot size eyes or whatever but there's there's something about the innocence of et at the start of it Right. And empowering these kids to not Lord of the Flies them. Right. They're not sharpening sticks and fucking murdering (laughs) this little thing. But there's something about the way because I always think about this. They talked about when they were designing Doctor Who. Right. One of the somewhere. And I think at the Capaldi years. Right. We were what he was talking about it, I think. And he said just the very basic designs of what Doctor Who the character is. It's a creature with two hearts. It's a creature with a screwdriver instead of a laser gun. Right. So you know he's there to empathize and fix. And so E.T., right? They do such amazing world building. So the ship is just in the woods for no fucking apparent reason. We see a, a, a space nursery on the ship with like some butt plug section and whatever. But nothing that looks like real vegetation does, right? So they're out in the woods foraging. And E.T.'s out grabbing shit. They cut to a rabbit that's just totally still around it, right? Letting us know there's no predatory nature. Right. The first signs of a predator is when that truck barrels over the hill and the headlights are on us, right? Now we got a predator. We see E.T. run. They're scared of us, right? What is the most iconic thing about it, right? These long, simple, thin fingers, right? Not made for mangling. No claws. Just these fucking nubby dick fingers, right? Uh, This glowing red heart. That's the beacon of this species, right? This glowing heart that calls out to others. So the, just the, the iconography of how they even design the the basic biology of these creatures right. is just brilliant. Because a lot of movies, I think you make this movie, right? And there's that scene, like we just finished talking about Planet of the Apes, right? So I'll use this as an example. But we see Caesar in his like Paddington rich kid segment, right? right? 
when he jumps down to save John Lithgow, they're specifically reminding us that he is still a threat. That he is a non-human threat that has teeth and claws and strength. They never do that scene in E.T. There's never a scene where they're like, oh, remember, he's an alien with telekinesis. He could fuck us up. No, it's about... They completely defang, de-teeth. It is just this... Even though it's disgusting, like a hair, like I had a friend in softball who used to have hairless cats yep. that he'd bring to the game, and he's like, "You can pet him if you want." And I'm I like, "Do that." Nope, disgusting. I don't want to touch sweaty, gross cat flesh. You know what I mean? Like that's gross. They're disgusting and hideous. That's kind of what ET's always been to me. But the the design of what he is gives us so much context for what role he's playing. I think that. It's just a, it's just incredible work. Like if he had a layer of Ewok fur, maybe this movie works for me when I'm a kid. I don't. Know. I, I mean, you know what's interesting too is this. I was I told um, I watched this last night. I told Andrea I was watching it, and she was like, "Oh, that is a movie that gave me a lifelong fear of aliens." Like she does not like alien movies specifically for this reason, for specifically because of this movie. Yeah. And I think it's because when you're not prepared to see something that looks like that, particularly like it is. <laughs> It is unsightly. Like, E.T. is not, yeah. like, this, like, cute, adorable thing. Like, that's... No, he's like an obese dub. Yeah, it's gross. Right? Like, he's just not a cute it's thing. It's gross. And I think that that's, yeah. like, a really... That's always been a hard thing for me to wrap my head around is... But I think that's the trick, right? Is. is that he looks, on a surface level, he looks like a fucking disgusting dick yeah. with huge mm-hmm. eyes. But watching him through his his behavior becomes so adorable and lovable is that I think that's the trick of the movie, right? Is this overcoming these obvious barriers, these obvious distinctions, right? So this thing should be unlovable to us because we are repulsed by skinless, disgusting, animalistic. (laughs) Definitely. Have you ever seen a hairless cat? Definitely looks like only people who have that are like people who have snakes who have like, you know, piercings in places that no one would get except for to talk about how cool they are like no offense shots fired to my friend even though i know he doesn't listen but you know what i mean they're those people that like they make their decisions hey what'd you do this saturday fucking juggled full-size swords well someone fucking had an electrode on my taint like that seems extra it's true the only people I... those are the people that I'll have hairless, this, the only people cats. i know that have hairless cats are people with like full body tattoos like lots of tattoos it's they live their life specifically to remind us that they are different and more unique and better than us. So ET on a surface level should not work. You can't cuddle ET. You can't cuddle ET. It'd be like fucking hugging like a saggy 80-year-old thigh. When we were um right? Like there's nothing lovable about him except for his adorable behavior, right? Him doing the planets with again, punctuated by John Williams awesome. score. You're like there's something more to him, right? We see Gertie dress him up. Right when he's in his like prohibition flapper yeah. outfit. Like, oh my right? god! Like, home, home, and it's like we relate, right? As his finger raises up, one of my favorite shots in the movie is the silhouette of his finger pointing to home, yeah. cutting Elliot's face in half essentially with the shadow, because Elliot is home, but it's not his home because his dad's not yeah. there. So he so relates with the mission of ET that he's willing to help his friend escape him, right? And there's just these beautiful moments like that where we want to help et get home too despite all of the fucking physical disgust we would probably feel being in a room with that thing yeah i don't know it's i'll tell you something that traumatized me to get to andrea's point 
when they do white dog shit, et. Oh, dude, that scared me. That when I was fucking. A kid. I mean, that like was burned in my yeah, brain. Me too. Like that is one of the meanest turns we've ever suffered with like a beloved childhood icon. I, like that section I is think fucking. When I was a kid, rough, and, when I was a kid and saw that they find him in the cold water and a raccoon is like picking yeah, at him. When I was like that raccoon's taking some chunks. When I was a kid and saw that between that and then, um, between that and I can't. Oh my god! How did between that and Elliot getting sick? Like them both getting yeah, sick. Yeah, it was like that and a Treyu in Never yeah, like Story. Those, those two for sure. But like the other, th- like between that and Elliot getting sick because ET is sick. Like it scared the fucking shit. Or out of is ET sick because Elliot? This is something the movie that like we never really addressed as kids is that ET is a psychic parasite. Yes, he finds this world. He finds a defenseless young child, gives him candy. And then fucking bonds and starts taking from him. Bit by bit, E.T.'s taking from Elliot. And we see he's kind of a life energy vampire who siphons it to flowers and this and that. Yeah. But as he's getting weaker, it's probably because Elliot is running out of fuel with which to sustain him. Right. So in a way, maybe the movie does show us that E.T. is dangerous. Right? He has to let he has to essentially die and become a, a little dog turd. To let Elliot get like an hour of strength back, they put a blanket on him. He's like, "Man, I feel better." And then ET's like, "I'm back." <laughs> if that kept going, he's just gonna fucking. It's like the movie Life Force with the the bre- the bare bested breasted vampires. Right, right, yeah. He's just gonna fucking turn Elliot into a husk. <laughs> Daddy didn't want you, but I did. <laughs> As he's like slurping what all that's left of Elliot. <laughs> like the Sanderson sisters and Hocus yeah. Pocus. Next next child. <laughs> well, that's the football player with no dentist. Talk about a way to completely ruin your favorite ruin your faves, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying the logical extent of this movie is that E.T. psychically eats and drains the kids, or the government murders this whole family and they're buried you in know the what's desert. That's interesting. I saw so I saw this. Neither here nor there. I've seen this movie probably three <laughs> times in my life. Once when I was a kid, another time when I was like a little bit older when I was a kid, and then yesterday. But the thing that I remember when I was like probably in my I can't, we we went on vacation like one of one of our vacations we went to Universal Studios in Florida. Oh yeah, that was awesome when we were kids. So we went there. Um, because we stayed like near the Universal lot. It was when they used to do. Um, it was when they had the islands. I don't know if they do it anymore. The Islands of Adventure thing. Um, there, my this was like the only. This was like the biggest vacation we ever had. Was like going to Universal Studios, which was pretty cool. Um, but we went to. They have the ET ride there at the Universal Studios thing. I had forgotten most of the E.T. stuff, and my my mom and dad were not, like, fans of E.T. Like, they were not, like, seeking it out, but they were just, oh, let's go on the E.T. ride. It was weird to do the E.T. ride, given that I had forgotten most of the movie. <laughs> and the section the section comes up where they find, like, you know, the a dog shit E.T., and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, like... Like, I don't know how you did this live, Lucky. this live experience of re-traumatizing myself with the movie. <laughs> I was just like, every kid walks out of the bright sunlight. They're like, <laughs> what did I see again? no, it's, but Elliot even says when they get him on that double table, we're dying. Yeah, we're dying. That is That's a language a fucking... where the alien is telling him 
Brace yourself, boy. We did. <laughs> we did. Until he releases his fucking psychic claws from him. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, he's going to probably eventually kill Elliot. That's probably why he called his family. He's like, man, this 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 drinking's too good. He's like, I'm going to get fucking hooked. I'm going to be a junkie on eating fucking suburban children. Dear God. That's his Halloween. Elliot's life force. Yeah. It, Trick or treat, extra treat, your years to live. Elliot dies when he's 13 years old because of this thing. <laughs> Neither here nor there. But that, I mean, that's another weird thing, right? Because these, these government people just show up like monsters in a movie, yeah. right? They're like coming through the windows for no reason. They're dressed in spacesuits. It's it's so illustrative of the childish point of view of this movie. Just like completely withdraws you from like the story we're telling. E.T. laying on the floor. Oh, oh, don't take my juice box. As Elliot's being dragged away from him. Right. And then all of a sudden these fucking monsters are coming in, right? And then the fact once he realizes they're not going to hurt him, now they're like nice guys, right? Completely silly and kind of like childish storytelling. Those scenes when they're on the table, like, I also never forget that guy just fucking pumping yeah. E.T.'s chest. The fucking mask on him. And it's it's an inanimate puppet, mm-hmm. right? And, of course, they're, they're just not animating it now. It's the same fucking exact thing, but it so fucking scarred me. Because yeah. you're just like, fucking E.T.'s dead. Like, yeah. E.T. actually died. The movie this is was one of the e. first. They do this in every kid's movie now, and it's one of the worst fucking storytelling tools in the toolbox. Which is, let's kill a character, and then magically they come back, like, minutes later. So we're going to falsely try to draw tears from you as you think someone's dead. Just kidding. It's so it's such fucking stupid and horrible storytelling. And I don't know how many times it was done before this, but this is the one in my mind where I remember that. Now every Pixar movie does that, right? Oh, no, Ilsa melted. Just kidding. Or whoever, right? Whoever the fuck Disney character. But they all fucking die and come back now in all these fucking kids movies, Marvel movies, whatever. It it's just it's stupid, stupid fucking storytelling. Right. Except for Except this for one. here. I gotta say. It's kind of perfect because E.T.'s a psychic vampire. Right. It kind of works. And it's one of the most cathartic moments because Henry Thomas is absolutely crushing this sequence of scenes, right? Drew Barrymore is crushing. Is he dead? I think so. So they never fully pronounce him dead. No. We think he's dead. They put him in the like iron lung. And when Henry Thomas like, ah, and that like scream laugh when he realizes E.T. E.T.'s like, Ugh, right? He pops up like he's fucking slappy and goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. It's just fucking awesome. Like it's such a fucking release from this ultra heavy segment we've been yeah. doing. Which this ultra love- heavy segment we've been doing, that is this really odd subplot to throw into like like not even a subplot because that's how the movie starts but nevertheless it was so unimportant for so long it feels like it was just really traumatizing us as kids i don't really see the point of this segment of the film although it is powerful filmmaking it feels like the fun of the film was them scurrying around on their bikes, running from faceless adults yeah, who are trying to take away their childhood innocence. Right, with their walkie-talkies. Because so. E.T., what he is, is he's their child childhood innocence and joy that their father's trying to strip from them personified, right? right? So the joy of them is skirting around adults. Mm-hmm. The moment we're like, hey, Jingly Key guy has a face, and he's kind of nice. Yeah, It's like, well, that's not great. Well, And then it's like the fact that they just roll E.T.'s ass... Out of there, the older brother can just steal an ambulance. It's like, 
it gets a little clunky. Well, isn't right? isn't what's strange about that too is <laughs> I don't know. I remember watching this this last time. I was like, it's weird that keys ends up being like it's like oh this jingly key guy is like you know you're saying like has a face has a name it's like he also wanted an alien was he when he was trying to tell us and he's driven to hunt them down break their constitutional rights by spying on their house busting their door down but because he also liked war of the worlds when he was a kid He's related. Well, my, well like, yeah, my thing was like, are you trying to tell, like, subliminal, subliminally, I was like, is this Spielberg trying to say that authority figures are cool? We should listen to the government. <laughs> I'm like, didn't you know we already kids, go through? When the, gov- when the government kicks your door down in your most vulnerable moments, give him a good pat on the back. Was, say, thanks for looking out. I was thinking I was thinking last night, I was like, did you get yelled at? You're saying Spielberg's pro jackboot? <laughs> no, no, not that part. But I was just like, I'm like, did you, did did the studio like listen with Josh you really threw it against local governments you gotta be nice this time (laughs) we gotta get one back for that mayor (laughs) we gotta get one back for the mayor as long as you're cool with the federal power structure right yokel mayors you can go after yeah it was no it's just it's it's this weird kind of like let's get us back to what is great which is the riding the bikes the riding the bike segments is awesome because we all relate to that your bike was your portal to all the adventures you had it was great it was great and then when they fucking ride over the cops who don't unleash their guns on them. Or walkie-talkies in some cases. Yeah. Hashtag not my America. Those kids would be fucking riddled did with your bullets ver- Did your version tonight, did your version, <laughs> did your version yesterday have the guns or the walkie-talkies? You know, I don't even know if I noticed. This is an important sticking point. This was like a big, this was a bit on South Park because of this, but... um. Because they digitally, there is a scene in the one I watched where they added at the very start of the film, mm-hmm. where like there's a cartoon ET walking through the forest that looks very digital. I don't know about that. So I'm pretty sure the one I watched was a, rep- a re-edit. The, digit rep- the digital replacement specifically was for the guns, and all the guns got turned into walkie talkies. Yeah. So that, but that's always I think I, I watched the version with the guns somehow. Oh, you did. Nice. Well, actually, yeah, it was one I, I already bought. Well, actually, I watched both. I'm trying to see if they have a list of what was actually changed. Because that one scene at the start, I was like, fuck. I remember when Lucas and Spielberg were like, I want to go in. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Editing the guns. Yeah, out. no. The, the, so you watched the you watched the version with um, walkie talkies because yeah. the re-release from 2002 has the opening sequence with him running. I love that he went through, fucked up all these movies. George Lucas went back and completely fucked up Star Wars and is holding hostage any of the original versions. And now they're like, but Spielberg now thinks movies should not be revisited. I was like, thanks. Thanks, dude. That's like the first guy that like fucked a monkey and starts a pandemic. Is he like, you know what? I really regret that last three shots. I wish I wouldn't have done what I'd done. It's like, well, now there's a bunch of dead people. It is a weird, I'll say this, like, the walk, I don't give a shit what the walkie if it's walkie talkies or guns. I don't fucking care. Uh, the walkie talkies. It's just a stupid like. I want to not do anything pushing the boundaries at this age. Right. Star Wars added things that change the way those movies play. Right. That's like that fucking scene where Han Solo walks over Jabba the Hutt and steps on his tail, and Jabba the Hutt goes Bleh! like he's a dog toy. That changes that character. 
to where he no longer is this ultimate fear of like fear inducing gangster at the end of the movie. Neither here nor there. We're not here to fucking argue not about Star Wars. Not, the assaults of Star it. Wars on no, our No, but like it is interesting, Wars. like <laughs> so I like I watched so I watched the one with the guns and then I found I watched the so the movie version I watched actually had the walkie talkies. And then I found the clip on uh, YouTube. I wanted to watch one with the guns. And there is this fundamental difference when you're watching something like that. You're like, oh, wow. These adults could just shoot these children down right now. Like, no problem. Well, it it, it gets to the bravery of Elliot. Yeah, absolutely. Or the self-preservation of Elliot, because E.T. in his mind's like, oh, fucking Indian. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, uh, fuck Where he's like, guns. I'll face down these guns. Yeah. These grown men and guns. I mean, they're committing grand theft. Auto, they are literally stealing what would be the most, most significant scientific discovery. Scientific in discovery. The world. I mean, th- this family and those friends on the bike, they're not leaving those woods back to their normal no. life. Like, they're, they're all going to go live in Area 51 for the rest of their lives. They're fucking finished. Ab- absolutely. They're going to be put on these fucking, they're going to be tortured and hope to draw the aliens back. Like, this is a wrap. Yeah. They should have got on that ship because they're dead here. Right? But, you know, it gets to, it gets to that bravery again, yeah. right? And I don't know. There's just all these, like, there's these beautiful just iconographies, right? The glowing hearts, right? The ship coming back. The, I love the using the flowers to see how full E.T. is of Elliot's life force, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just there's all these, like, beautiful little notes this movie hits. And it just culminates in this fucking amazing bike ride where the kids are flying, which we all wanted to do. It's fucking amazing, mm-hmm. right? We all want it. And then it's just this great scene at the end of them just saying goodbye to E.T. That goodbye is... And he says, stay. Stay. Oh. And they're crying. He knows he can't. He's got to go to his family, right? His dad didn't leave. He wants to go back home. And he just goes, ouch. And Elliot just touched his like heart in his head. Ouch. He's like, yeah, ouch. Mm. And that's, that's life, man. Yeah. Things come and things go. And that's the ouch of being a human being that's alive is everything is transient, man. Yeah. Anything that you're latched onto could leave you, could could be gone. Um, that could change into, like, hatred, right? You could become those old government guys who now, you know, Elliot's now seen it, so now he's in the men in black running around shooting aliens. Who knows? Um, but that sentiment of stay when he knows E.T.'s not going to stay. I, I just think that segment's great. And you can only do that if you have a child actor who's delivering this kind of a performance. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's just it's just that big, wide open vulnerability of this movie, right? Take away the childish plot and the narratives and this and that. It's this absolute, immediate, unjustified, un undescribed empathy these two characters find, right? That immediately, as soon as he gets ET in his room, and he fakes sick. This is my stuff. These are my toys. These are. It's so innocent, and it's so optimistic of what we hope that encounter would be like, Mm -hmm. right? And then he shows the brother and the sister, and they immediately are like, we will also help take care of this creature. Right. That's what this movie is, right, is is that feeling of being alone and hoping that someone else out there will help take care of that with you. Yeah, I mean, it's... And it's it's just ultra-relatable. Yeah, it's the emotions that you assign to... It's the emotions you would assign to how you feel when you when you're at your most like children are always the most vulnerable yes. when you're at your most it's vulnerable. two left behind kids choosing that they are family yeah. 
right? Choosing that they have power over that. I think you, in a world where kids don't have a lot yeah, of ages. I think a lot of the time your chosen family is your chosen family is really important, and a lot of the time that is where. You, oh, for a lot of people, it's more important. Well, a lot of the time, that's right? what you made that choice. Your chosen you family work. is where a lot of stability comes from. You made that life mm-hmm. for yourself, so to make it to you know when you're. Family, family, I guess. Never doesn't. Yeah. When your piece of shit dad's down in Mexico fucking clapping cheeks, you're out here being at the focal point of human history. Right. And you didn't need his ass. And that's what they learn is they fucking run away and commit all these crimes and don't get murdered by cops. <laughs> is that I didn't need him. Yeah. Is that I am strong and I do still have love, right? Like I'll be, it's that, it's that overcoming of that what could have defined Elliot moment in a good way instead of bad. Yeah. Right. Now I have this power, right? I know my siblings have my back. I know mom's got my back, right? I will overcome. And it's hard to watch him say goodbye, man. When that camera just holds on him as the ship's lifting off. Oh God, it's so good. It's empowering and devastating at the same time. I don't know. To me, this is, this is, if you're making the case for where Spielberg is at his most magic, right? I think inarguably, and I don't even think it's close. I think Jaws is his best movie. Mm-hmm. Like as far as the one that just somehow found that extra alchemy that made it pure black magic. I mean, that movie is so fucking burned in our pop culture. You've never been in a pool or ocean without hearing that. Da-da. I mean, scared a fucking entire population for the rest of all time. Right. Right, it's so perfectly made. It feels like, right? Um, I think he has other tech. Like, I don't, I don't even think this movie is an alien movie. Is as good as Close Encounters, right? Mm-hmm. I think he has other more technical movies. I think he has other movies that have a little more soul, right? But I think this is that. If you're like, what made Spielberg that guy? What was his magic? I feel like this is the one I would reach for. Yeah, I mean, to me... So I feel like this is his fucking sweet this spot. This is the wide-eyed innocence of wonder that Spielberg... Yes. Only Spielberg can do. Like, there's people who have mimicked it, who have tried to duplicate it. I mean, that guy just doesn't feel like he has like, any cynicism when yeah, he attacks Yeah, that's stories. what it is. Yeah. Like, this movie lacks so much cynicism that you can't, you can't end the movie and feel anything other than a little bit lighter in your day i really do think that yeah well i agree it's just it's it's perfect scoring it's wonderful performances it's just iconic moments Mm -hmm. right phone home flying past the moon um it's just fucking wonderful right tying it to the star wars universe for no reason when he sees the yoda costume home 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 um it's just really fucking a purely magical experience that I'm glad now as an adult, I watched it with my kids and they loved it so much. It kind of tore down those old thoughts I had on the mm-hmm. movie. And it was like seeing it for the first yeah. time for me. Um, and I, I love it, man. I think, I think it's just a, a joyous experience to watch. Even the fucking traumatizing part. I agree. Even that dog turd segment. It's, He's fucking got to have a little bad to make sure that you make sure that you enjoy all the good. Well, people say that I'm saying that for E.T. I'm not saying that for life. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, 
If I order a six inch at Subway, I don't want one inch of it to be full yeah, of piss. No, that's not. You know what I mean? That's those other five inches were better is, now. That's a because that's of a my very piss, peculiar my way inch. to put that, but sure. It felt a little too. On yeah, the it was point. a little specific. But Does this happened to you? Everyone has, has that image. on a Subway sandwich for you. Which inch is it? Is it in the middle? Is it at the Has end? somebody pissed on your Subway you can, sandwich? You know why? Because I think one of the things in life I hate more than anything Subway? else is soggy bread that loses its integrity. Mm. That's a good kind of like small microcosm of how my brain works across everything. I hate soggy bread that has lost its integrity. If you've integrity. ever been anywhere, say this for the pod people. If you've ever been anywhere eating with Josh Griffey, I can tell you right now, there's like four main food groups maybe all if, right i have a cracker barrel palette that's not no no no. that's not a cracker barrel pa- palette you literally have like four essential things you'll eat and that's it but as long as like as long as they are done to yeah. specificity without any provocation <laughs> right. no like need to send it back no anything like that as long as it's a specifically done item the way it needed to be done great meal otherwise always something wrong i will say this I've never sent anything back. I'm not that guy. I will eat it in disgust yeah. and let my disgust you, be known. You definitely, as you definitely are one of those people who will just eat it in spite of itself, which is good. I personally don't send food back because you're not going to defeat me with your. I've never sent kills. food back because I fear. I absolutely fear retaliation. So. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You're fucking yeah, eating. You are, snot yeah, if you, you, do you that. are eating. That's where you get you're the getting, piss. You're edge. getting that Yelper special if you're not careful. Yeah, I have uh, I I have some picadillos when it comes to just existing in the normal world. There's no doubt about that. Don't we all? Uh, <laughs> Look at ET. He figured it out. I'm like I'm like Elliot who never found ET. I was just out there, just living your life, just out there, having penis breath. But it's fine. <laughs> yeah, because I eat piss sandwiches. Um, neither here nor there. That's it for ET. What a uh, interesting and possibly revealing episode about our own our own one lives. inch of piss on a sandwich. Uh, Honestly, I'm fucking stoked that E.T. Uh, was covered. I'm glad that I love E.T. now. Uh, we have one more Spielberg movie. I think this one's funny. We're going to talk about Hook. Oh, dude. If you were ranking Spielberg movies we haven't Hook. covered, that's probably not one of the high ones. In fact, in the Spielberg documentary, when they say, and Steven did some things that didn't work, the movie they show clips from during that fucking line is Hook. That's fucking bullshit. And I fucking I loved love that her. movie when I was Me a too. kid. I had my coconut sword that made the bell ring and my Captain Hook hand from Kmart. Yep. I fucking love Hook. And I love it even more as a grown-up. I had So I don't I, know. I'm I excited to make the case. I gotta be honest with you. It is I'm excited to make the case. It's gonna be a good Honestly, I just I love Spielberg movies unabashedly. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a great and wonderful month. More awesome stuff to come. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod for other amazing movies, miniseries. Uh, oftentimes, you get the deets about what's coming up next. Good stuff over there. So if you can, we appreciate your support at patreon.com slash Pod. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Alchemist. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on the socials. Follow and share there. Uh, make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews. Write them out. Right out a sentence or two, people, where you find us and while you like us. Helps us out. Thank you guys for your time. We'll see you next week for Hood.